You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. You know, you're investing in a team with a consistent history of exploring, discovering, de-risking, monetizing assets. That's the history of the um, Lumina Group itself. And we have a highly aligned management team. You know, there's about 25% ownership between management and Ross. um, And, uh, you know, we're highly aligned with investors. So I think with that, uh, it's a good uh, investment thesis. And uh, Ecuador is emerging as a important uh, Uh, exploration destination and and mining destination in 2020. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mining Stock Education, and I am your host, Bill Powers. If you would like to engage the show or any topics that I cover on this show, uh, feel free to do so. My email, I do give that out. It's bill at miningstockeducation.com, and I do try to respond to pretty much all of the emails that I get. And thank you for your engagement uh, with this show. I do appreciate it. Well, a few weeks ago, we heard from Scott Hicks, and he is um, in charge of corporate development for Lumina Gold, one of the companies in the Lumina family of companies. And the CEO of uh, Lumina Gold is Mr. Marshall Koval. He joins me today, and we're going to be he- hearing about a spin-out company that was spun out of Lumina Gold, I believe, a little over a year ago. Luminex is the company today, Luminex Resources. It was a spin-out. It's another raw Ross Beattie Junior Mining Company. Ross owns just under 20% of this company. It's part of the Lumina Group. And the Lumina Group, if you're not familiar, has been very successful in finding uh, early stage projects de-risking them, creating value, and they've invested over the years in various companies $290 million U.S., which turned into $1.6 billion. Uh, Usually that ends in a buyout. So the pedigree of the Lumina Group is very good in terms of its track record of creating value for shareholders. And uh, Marshall is a is a key ally and a person on Ross's team that has been involved in many of these companies uh, that have created value for shareholders. Marshall Koval is very experienced, has over four decades uh, working in the mining industry as an executive in corporate management, M&A, finance, the exploration side, mine development. He previously was the chairman and CEO of Anfield Gold Corp. And currently, as I mentioned, he's uh, the CEO, director of Lumina Gold Corp, as well as the company we're talking about today, Luminex Resources. And perhaps I should mention he's also a director for Equinox Gold uh, with Ross Beatty there, working with them as that producer continues to grow and grab more and more market attention. So Marshall, with that introduction, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show for the first time. And it's kind of unique. Unique that you're the CEO of more than one company. Perhaps we could start off with you sharing uh, what is the rationale with the Lumina Group of why you would put the same managers over different companies? Hey, Bill, it's a pleasure to be with you today and uh, greetings to your listeners. Yeah, so let me just kind of backtrack a hair and just talk about the, the history of the Lumina Group and, and where I've been. Um, you know, I joined Ross in 2004 and been involved in all of the Lumina. Uh, copper stories. And then we went into Ecuador in sort of 2013, 2014, believing that Ecuador would turn around. And it's some of the most highly prospective uh, exploration ground in the world for copper and gold deposits, large scale 
porphyry and such. So we started off with Lumina Gold. Um, in 2014, we did a transaction where we acquired Odin Mining, and that became our vehicle in Ecuador. Subsequently, we acquired uh, sort of in 2016 timeframe, we acquired Ecuador Gold and uh, Gold and Copper, which had the Condor project, which is one of the key assets that we have in the spin out within Luminex. And then when the country opened up the concession system, uh, sort of in 2016, 2017, we had quite a bit of information. We had a, a senior Ecuadorian geologist, Diego Benalcazar, who's the president of Luminex Resources. Um, and we went out and acquired a lot of copper projects and gold perspective projects in the concession system. So we had that all in um, Lumina Gold. And then about 2018, um, we had advanced our Congrejos project in Lumina Gold to the point where it was a development project. And to prepare that for the Lumina business, Lumina Group business model to add value and then divest, we spun all of the other remaining assets, the Condor project, all of our copper uh, early stage projects out into Luminex. And then for a continuity's sake, you know, we continued on with the same uh, management team. Uh, Diego got promoted to president, so he handles a lot of that aspect of the company. And, and you know, I run the company, I have been involved in putting together uh, exploration programs at the Condor Project, which uh, we can get into in a bit. And then also was involved in negotiating uh, joint venture agreements with BHP uh, on our Tarkey Project and Anglo-American on our Pegasus A and B Project. So, um, the rationale was more to do with the continuity of the management team and, and to preserve sort of the, the approach that we take with um, the Lumina group. And then if you look at splitting time, I'm spending about 50% uh, of my time on, on both of the companies at this stage. So your projects are in Ecuador. And after I did my last interview with Scott, nobody objected to the project, the company, how it's run, the pedigree management. The only concerns that I had were coming back to me through feedback was regarding the jurisdiction of Ecuador and concerns that unless a sovereign like a Zijing Mining comes in, that they can make sure the government doesn't take their asset. Some investors, North American investors, were concerned about Ecuador as a mining jurisdiction moving forward. Uh, what would you say to those investors with those concerns? Yeah, I think uh, obviously those concerns have a lot to do with the history, primarily in the oil and gas sector in the country. But I think um, it, during the Correa government, you had a leftist populist government who uh, sort of in 2008 time frame had basically... Uh, shut down the mining sector and relied on oil as revenues to run the government. They had budgeted about $100 oil and um, to run the country. So basically, fast forward, oil went down <clears throat> sort of in the 2013-2014 timeframe. Ecuador realized it needed foreign investment still under the Correa government. And he, uh, Correa, brought in Wood McKenzie to help uh, reform the mining code. The, the mining code at the time prior was pretty punitive. It was set up more like an oil and gas regime where you had windfall profit tax, high royalties, high tax rates. Um, Wood McKenzie helped them really turn that around. 
Um, and so from 2014 um, to 2016, there were a couple major uh, events that happened. The concession system reopened that had been shut down in 2008 by Korea. Um, you know, Lumina Gold, we were awarded 32 prospective concessions at that time frame. So that's a lot of the projects that are in Luminex right now, the copper exploration projects. And then in 2016, Lundin Gold signed an agreement with the government and they had a workaround on the windfall profit tax and such, but that allowed them to move forward and build um, Fruta del Norte. And then sort of 2018 timeframe, the government uh, continued to improve the fiscal regime, eliminated the windfall profit tax, lowered the NSR range from, it used to be 5 to 8% royalty to the government, down to 3 to 8, 8%. And now really what's happening now and going forward is uh, two major large-scale projects have been um, put in place in Ecuador, put into production, that being Fruta del Norte and Mirador. And Mirador is a large uh, copper gold porphyry, and Fruta del Norte is an underground gold mine. So as these projects go and develop, you know, there were over $2 billion in, in, invested in capital costs between those two projects. That'll be how the country goes. And, and I think Probably the biggest test on Ecuador as a viable foreign investment jurisdiction is all of the major companies that have come into the country sort of in the last three or four days, you know, that being BHP, Anglo, Newcrest, Fortescue, Dundee, uh, Precious Metals, Southern Copper, Cadelco, uh, Wheaton Precious Metals. So I think there's a comfort that the political, fiscal, regime and the destination as a foreign investment uh, area has has really changed. And I, I think that should give a lot of um, investors comfort. And, you know, as, as Fruta and Mirador continue to uh, succeed over the next few quarters, it just adds more merit to Ecuador becoming a viable mining jurisdiction. Your market cap right now as we speak is only $44 million Canadian. Yet your key project that you've mentioned already, the Condor project, has at least four million ounces, and there's a new discovery also there, and a new resource coming. Can you kind of give us that? That's a quite a discount, and perhaps that would would you attribute that discount? Would I let me say this? Would you attribute the four million ounces with a forty-four only forty-four million dollar market cap primarily to what could be called the Ecuador discount? Yeah, and if I look at that in the context of um, we did a lot of work on this in, to uh, prove it up in Lumina Gold. And, you know, we looked at the developer peer group of Lumina Gold, and, and I think this carries over for Luminex as well. But if you look at PNAV valuations and, and you look at like Sol Gold, uh, Adventist Cornerstone, INV Metals, Salazar Resources, all with development projects in Ecuador, they're trading at about a, point, a 0 0.27 multiple to PNAV. And um, if you look at Western world gold developers, so Cisco, Sabina, Great Bear, Liberty, you know, Integra, those guys, they're sort of trading at a 0.59. Uh, so I think that alone right there kind of gives you an idea of um, the Ecuador discount. And I think that'll continue to improve. But now, having said that, 
Lundin is uh, now that they're in production, they're trading a slightly over a, a one one probably between that and one point one PNAV ratio. So, I think um, as time goes on, I think that should improve in the country. But it's an opportunity for investors. I think if you look at the Condor example alone, without considering the BHP and the uh, Anglo American JVs that we have, and Considering this new camp zone discovery, where we have 40 meters uh, of 4 gram, 4.8 gram per ton gold, and quite a few holes into it now, we're really undervalued as as a company. So it creates an investment opportunity. Let's start with the fundamental value. We mentioned the four million ounces of gold. Uh, give us an overview of the Condor project and what are some of the catalysts upcoming for it. So Condor is um, in the eastern uh, part of. Ecuador, southeastern part. It's about 35 kilometers south of Fruta del Norte, and then about 50 kilometers north of Fruta is Mirador. So it's in one of the most highly uh, mineralized trends within Ecuador. There's a lot of, uh, in the, within this neighborhood, there's quite a few companies with concessions, Solgold, Fortescue, uh, Lundin, Newcrest. Uh, so there's a lot, lot of activity there. Probably one of the most highly mineralized uh, areas within Ecuador. And what we had at the Condor, as you mentioned earlier, we had um, uh, 4 million ounces roughly of gold. Some of it in indicated probably about a third of it and then two thirds in inferred between um, the Santa Barbara deposit to the south and then what we're calling Condor to the north. And, and Condor itself to the north is sort of a epithermal gold area, whereas Santa Barbara is a gold copper porphyry. And we've made a major discovery up in the Condor area where we have the new camp zone. And the camp zone, we've got about 29 holes into it now. We've released, um, I believe, 25 holes to date. And we've got some really wide intercepts near surface directly under our camp. And uh, basically, we're, we're getting sort of 20 to 30 meter intercepts true width of, you know, four to six grams per ton. And then this is over a strike length of about uh, 1.1 kilometers and down dip about 800 kilometers to date. And, um, you know, it pinches and swells in some areas, but, you know, most of the intercepts have a true width of over three meters up to 30 meters. And we believe that um, the resource estimate we're currently working on now will be out uh, by the end of this quarter. And hopefully that'll show a dramatic change uh, in the Condor project and it'll be a catalyst for uh, further share price uh, valuation. And I'm looking at your presentation. Uh, US 40 million has been spent on this project from 1993 through 2016. And that's more money than the current market market capitalization of the entire company right now. Yeah. And that's part of the ironic part of all this. And I, and I think um, it, it leads back to the uh, valuation issue and the opportunity issue. And I think on top of that, when you look at sort of porphyry copper uh, potential within the company. We have quite a few uh, projects. We've got a JV with BHP on our Tarkey project. It's about a 5,000 hectare project where they have to spend $42 million over six years to earn 60%. And that's been our most uh, prospective uh, copper discovery that we've made within Luminex. 
and they can spend an additional uh, $40 million to get to 70%, and, and we anticipate them being drilling in the second half of 2020. So throw that on top of the uh, Condor project valuation, and, and then on top of that even is uh, our JV with Anglo-American on our Pegasus projects, where they have to spend $57.3 million over seven years to earn 60%. And then they can earn an additional 10% by carrying us to a production decision. And they've done quite a bit of work and they've identified several potential drill targets and hopefully they'll be drilling in the second half of this year. So if you add that all up, you know, the market isn't giving us uh, the sort of value that we would expect. If you add up what's been spent to date, our discovery at, um, at the camp zone and these JVs. So we're continuing to get the message out. Um, we believe it's a, a good investment opportunity. I think part of that you could see this last financing we did where we raised $10 million in December. Ross Beatty took his uh, ownership up to 19.9%. You know, we've got good Ecuadorian entrepreneurial group involved in the company as well. They control about 8.6%. 8, 8. Route one, a fund out of the U.S., has about 8.5%, and the management and the board have about 6.7%. So we've got really good investor support. We have the ability to raise money and capital and uh, advance these and de-risk these projects. So, you know, we're continuing to, to do that as, uh, as we go forward. What would be your burn rate for this year uh, working on the Condor project? So right now we have uh, two drill rigs in the field and uh, basically are, uh, are drilling just in the Condor zone. So we're, we're probably just shy of uh, sort of a million a month. And a lot of that depends on the drilling success, how we um, continue to move forward there. Also at the Condor project, it's 90% owned by Luminex. And then could you explain the 10% that's owned by the pension fund for Ecuador's armed forces personnel? Yeah, it's the ESFA fund, and they were the previous owner of the Condor project. And basically, their 10% ownership is um, in not all concessions of uh, the Condor project, but um, it is within the uh, areas most mineralized at um, at the camp zone and and Los Cuyas, Soledad, Enma deposits up there as well. Is this a private pension fund or is it public? And if it is public, I guess I, my what's behind my questioning is could that help move the f- project forward because they obviously would want to reap the rewards of a successful project. Yeah, we've uh, we've had several discussions with them and they're supportive of the project and. Um, you know, their ownership came in quite a few years back because the project's on the uh, border with Peru, the project area. So that was acquired from them uh, by previous companies. So I would see um, having them involved uh, being the pension fund for the military is uh, is positive aspect for the project. And you have an upcoming updated resource, uh, I understand, at the Condor project, and then would a PEA be out this year too? Yeah, so uh, what we've done so far is uh, drill holes number one through 25, which have been uh, press released. That'll form the basis of the resource estimate that we're doing on the camp zone. And we haven't done additional drilling on uh, the other areas uh, 
to update those resources, but it'll be a maiden resource at the camp zone. And we've started metallurgical test work on the camp zone as well. So if we see, uh, uh, as we anticipate, a pretty good resource coming out, uh, we'll start to look at developing a project uh, description and we would start to move forward towards a PEA. But at this time, I don't have a firm schedule on when and if we would move forward. What's the drilling cost in Ecuador in Canadian dollars per meter? It's uh, Well, most of the costs are all in U.S. dollars there. So um, depending on what you have to do and the depth that you're drilling, we're seeing costs sort of between 150 and $200 a meter. And that's uh, including the assay costs? Uh, assay is probably in the 25 dollar a meter range. All right. So we have the the exploration upside and the advancement um, there at the Condor project. And then you mentioned already your earn-in with BHP. So as investors are looking at Luminex for the first time, would um, the selling point, so to speak, here be that somebody else is going to be spending money in order to create value for shareholders? Yeah, basically that's, that's correct. So if you look at it, um, Assuming that BHP and Anglo continue to move forward and, and get to their first uh, phase earn-in period, you know, they will have spent $100 million between 2018 and 2025. And, you know, they have the option to earn, you know, both of them an additional 10% in the case of Anglo to a production decision. In the case of BHP, um, an additional 10% which would take them to 70% by spending $40 million more, which basically gets you through a feasibility study. And they, they both have a little bit different um, approach. Like BHP is after a single specific um, target, our Tarkey project, where we identified an area about three kilometers by five kilometers in length with some of the highest grade copper that we've seen on any of our projects, uh, sort of plus 1% copper and rock outcrop at the surface and so they've done geophysics work and they're doing geologic work to firm up a drill target whereas anglo has our largest land package it's about sixty-seven thousand hectares and anglo is looking for anglo-american is looking for a district scale type play where they've identified multiple porphyry copper deposits uh, we identified some of them initially, and they've discovered additional areas that, that are highly prospective. And they're looking for district sort of scale uh, play there. And, you know, if you look at $100 million committed between those partners to advance exploration, and then you go back to the valuation of Luminex, um, you know, I think we're severely undervalued. The company's website is luminexresources.com. It trades in Toronto. You can find the information under the ticker LR and on the OTC in the States under the ticker LUMIF. And as we conclude, Marshall, what final thoughts would you like to leave with the investors listening to us? Yeah, I guess it's the reasons to invest. I think if you look at Condor, we have the new discovery, high-grade discovery at the camp zone. It's likely going to be an underground target. Uh, there is a bit of it close to the surface. We'll have a catalyst in Q1 2020. We'll uh, have a resource estimate out, and then we're continuing with metallurgy, and we're moving towards a PEA. In addition to the camp zone, there's about 1.4 million ounces in indicated and 2.5 million in inferred uh, on the property as well. 
uh, as I've been talking about earlier, the earn-in agreements with two Tier 1 copper companies, Anglo and BHP. Um, Luminex, you know, we have an additional, we really didn't talk about this, additional 25,000 hectares, and we're doing exploration work primarily on our Orchidias, Cascas, La Canela, Trace Picachos, and Kimi projects, which are early-stage grassroots sort of uh, copper projects. The exception is Cascas, which we're moving forward ourselves. It's uh, got a good gold anomaly there besides the copper. And then I guess finally, you know, you're investing in a team with a consistent history of exploring, discovering, de-risking, monetizing assets. That's the history of the um, Lumina Group itself. And we have a highly aligned management team. You know, there's about 25% ownership between management and Ross um, and, uh, you know, we're highly aligned with investors. So I think with that, uh, it's a good uh, investment thesis. And uh, Ecuador is emerging as a important uh, exploration destination and, and mining destination in 2020. If you have questions or feedback, feel free to email me at bill at miningstockeducation.com. Also go to the company's website, luminexresources.com, and you can subscribe for their updates there. So as uh, the updated resource and these catalysts come are announced, you'll get those emailed to your inbox right there in the morning. If you want to engage the company directly, you can email info at luminexresources.com, or the phone number is right there on the website. Marshall, I really appreciate you giving us an overview of Luminex. Thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Hey, Bill and your listeners, thanks a lot. Appreciate the time. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty dollars or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.